Welcome to In the Landscape, a podcast on all things landscape design and care related with your hosts, Kate and Charles Sadler. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. This is In the Landscape. And this is one of your hosts, Kate Sadler, here with my co-host. Charles Sadler. Hi, Charles. How are you? (laughs) Good to be here. Yeah, it is good to be here. We had a little bit of a hiccup one week where we didn't get an episode down, but we're in the studio back in action. There's just been so much going on in terms of of work work. (laughs) Yeah, it's been like all hands on deck for Texas, New York, Connecticut. But it's awesome because it actually gives us more topics for discussion in the podcast because Mm -hmm. there are actual things happening (laughs) for a while. There was like week after week, everything was pretty much the same. I don't know if anyone else out there has experienced that. So anything to share? I met a new client the other day in Houston and I was joking. Someone's problem has to be pretty serious for them to call us. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's, you have to stop what you're doing, look for a designer, qualify them, call them, meet with them. So if it was a simple problem, people wouldn't call us. So by the time we get called, it's people cannot figure it out on their own. Oh, Whether it's point. where to put the shade structure or the tree or the patio or the pool. or So it's, it's rare that we have a job that's like so straightforward. It's, it's always a challenge. Where we, like we have to even pause and say, boy, you want to put a pool in? There's big trees. Can that be done while not damaging the trees? Yeah. And, and we have to go back and do research footwork is really that's like part of the practice absolutely Uh, which is one of the reasons you know i mean obviously we are pro hiring a landscape designer (laughs) but um but we do hope that we give some overview and insight so that folks can do their own projects but it really is that stepping back and analyzing the full picture and as we you call it um the program essentially and making sure that you're kind of taking into account all the elements and not just fixating on, you know, I want this one thing in this one place. And once that's there, the, everything's going to be great. <laughs> and then all of a sudden right. it doesn't work. So, yeah. I mean, that is essentially what, what you go for the training for. And hopefully some of the educational content we put out is empowering people to do that as well. So uh, today's episode actually is kind of a companion to the episode we did on the outdoor room. And I think the theme there, certainly, because we always start with what is the program, was what is the program? <laughs> so are you going to be barbecuing or you, do you need a cabana to change your clothes? But ultimately, my sense is the theme of that was because it's outdoors, have you assessed the climate sufficiently and, and sort of understood your comfort needs? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we were outside this morning. It's, there's a heat wave building here in Southern Texas. Not that it's not always hot, but it's going to be especially hot. And, uh, you know, the shade structure we had, as long as we were kind of sitting still and chatting, we had just enough breeze that it was tolerable for us. But again, Mm -hmm. that may be extraordinary. And there are folks that wouldn't want to sit out there ever. In in the morning, it's like in in the 90s Fahrenheit in the morning. Yeah. So spending the time and getting used to the space and kind of, cause we've, we have these little structures and chairs that we're kind of like positioning in different spots in the yard. And that mobility is kind of nice for entertaining outdoors. And the chairs that are movable, that yeah. is something we think of in your wardrobe. It's good to have flexibility, like no matter what the occasion. Mm-hmm. So having a dining area that's usually fixed, mm-hmm. but having chairs that are movable is really vital. It's like, it, it gives you so much 
when you have, let's say there's like three, if two or three friends come over, you can make a circle. We're going to have like a family birthday party. We can move it. If there's just two of us, we don't necessarily want six chairs in a circle. It feels like it feels sort of empty. So being able to move and then be able to move the chairs into the shade or in the winter in Texas, it's still pretty mild, but then it's nice to sit in the sun and it would be, it would be really the, the inverse. You'd be seeking the sun in the cool weather. Well, and it's interesting because it's like, in a way, I, and I've, you know, <laughs> I've expressed this before on the podcast, for the untrained person, there's a lot, it's almost like the first instinct is to get on the, I don't want to name any specific sites, but the like a apps site. and the websites that have the, well, maybe even something like Pinterest where you're finding, you're getting your idea board. That's great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm saying like even a step further where you're actually looking at things to purchase oh. essentially, mm-hmm. like you're kind of doing your ideas, but you're doing it, you know, where there's that ease of access to clicking through and saying like, I want this thing. And um, you're working for some clients to, to fill an outdoor space with these different entertaining sort of, modules or nodes or whatever different different programs yeah like casual um, seating dining a bar area maybe there's going to be sports fans so there's maybe a tv will be part of it but you're not going to watch tv all the time right right you know and (laughs) our little backyard is a lot more humble than that but the idea is that you have been essentially going around surveying people for information so you mentioned our movable chairs you were kind of asking me about like a seating style, but what I was thinking of was the the table for the snacks or the beverage that mm-hmm. like what I feel is missing in our yard currently is a few more little tables to accompany. Like we have plenty of chairs. All of a sudden we don't have enough tables for the ice, ice tea or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's that patience and research but it doesn't not necessarily like reading stuff online or even the the blogs that are advising you but talking to people like how Mm -hmm. you know do you have a wish list for the backyard how how are we using it is there something we're missing there's a landscape architect that i'm i'm real fond of his work Lori olin who's i mean he's, he's like a like a modern day olmstead you know really gives back a lot to the profession his practices in philadelphia the Cultural Landscape Foundation, you can listen to lots of dialogues. He's had interviews about, he might be speaking about his work or about somebody in the historic figure. He talks, about, I think it's him, talks about if you're a professional, you're sought after, you're, you travel in airports, like I've done some. And so he talks about spending time in airports and just watching people. How mm. do people, like around the world, airports go through different iterations of design, <laughs> And so there's airports that work really well, that there's, you know, there's formal seating. Like when you're waiting for the plane, there's rows of seats. Then more, there's often, if it was a vehicle, it would be like a circular, like at the Houston airport where it's, it's a circular bench and there's music being performed. And so seeing how do people use the space, if you really look, you can almost often guess like what's missing. Like there's not a table to put your bag down where that might be helpful or mm-hmm. what works really well. Like there's a shortage, like those circular benches and some of the airports, they're, they're full. And then nearby, there's rows of formal seats that are not being used. Mm-hmm. So that would be like, wow, there could be more of that and less of the other one. 
I think the thing that there's now getting to be more and more of is the outlet, <laughs> the outlet between seats. Oh my gosh. I think the right. priority used to be just like seating. So the seats were sort of packed together, but now it's like, whether you're standing up at a table or sitting down, it's like <laughs> the outlet is the, is the key. Well, for outdoors, for outdoor spaces, that's, is it going to be and like on the old day, you'd say, is it going to be electrified? Uh-huh. And so is there going to be Wi-Fi? and having outlets actually to plug in your phone when you're near the pool, an outdoor bar, a barbecue. Well, so that's something that I've is a topic we haven't really covered in the podcast so far, but one that I think is really fascinating. You know, the landscape lighting is a sort of a specialty unto itself, of course. As designers, you were mentioning this before we started recording, the designer, as a designer, you sort of get to know everyone and their specialties. Mm -hmm. And then we essentially project manage these different entities. You know, we do the qualifying of the various... The pool company working on that. The the specialists and then bring them in in this sort of like a symphony of landscape design. But talk us through, you know, landscape lighting. Is it essential does it how do you know what you're designing for and i'm sure program plays a part here like whether you're highlighting a special tree or you actually need path lighting and you know i'm totally off on a tangent but for some reason what you were just talking about made me think of the white city in uh the 19 oh right the uh, chicago Chicago it's exposition world exposition yeah that i think what was oh you said electrified that what was one of the brilliant features of that installation was that it had electric lighting. Is that uh, right? So it's this bright white city. You may be right. And then had electric lighting. I, I read a book on the history of Paris pretty recently. And they talked about how that was started to be electrified. There was a bus system, which mm-hmm. I think was a cat. It was a cat. It was by, pulled by horses. All these systems are interrelated. So, mm. so you have night lighting in a city that you, we didn't have it before. It was like, it was probably gas lights. And may have been in the 1700s, I'm not sure. And then while people feel safe being out at night, then you have a system that you can travel. And it's, it's really like that in the landscape. One of the designers in my travels, I can't remember which one, but they said, night lighting gives you a whole new landscape. Mm. And so why would that be? Well, you have, let's say you have a big bank of hydrangeas, and then you have paper bark maple or a cedar elm here in Texas that has or a hackberry, where it has this sort of gnarly bark. So during the day, you're going to see the green foliage on that Mm -hmm. hackberry. Now at night, the foliage is probably going to disappear. The green will turn black almost. Now that trunk, the trunk is lit. You're going to see the trunk where you really didn't even see it during the day. So when designers are interviewed, they often say, you know, please include the interior designer from the beginning. Like not just, don't just call the architect or the builder. And landscape designers, landscape architects say that, you know, include us in the beginning when you're going to. And so it occurs to me, how can you get great landscape lighting? If I'm thinking of the materials, like imagine mm-hmm. like a reclaimed brick wall that would look amazing underlit at night, mm-hmm. all that texture. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's good design is really thinking holistically that you're going to be looking out at the sunset. You're going to see a silhouette of a fountain. Now, if that fountain had texture, then that could be lit as opposed to being sort of reactive of like more or less designing, like without having the uh, full breadth of all the trades, all the professions. And so including others. So this, some of these outdoor projects we have, I will call 
a uh, lighting specialist mm-hmm. and say, you know, we're working on this. And they're often willing to visit, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. free of charge to give you some basic ideas in the early stages of design, mm-hmm. which then can, can add richness later. We're not playing catch up like, oh, only if we had done that. It's not, but it's going to be costly to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I was just looking up, according to the teslasociety.com, the Columbian Exposition in 1893 was lit with over 200,000 electric light bulbs. Oh, my god! Which were illuminated by Tesla's polyphase alternating current system, which, wow. of course, was the competitor for, I think, Edison's mm-hmm. system. And I think Edison won out. And that was like... That's not... Was, was Tesla <laughs> direct current? Podcast. Was that the difference? Uh, was, no, de- uh, alternating current, I think, He was alternating. Is, is Tesla. Direct current, I think, is what we have now. Okay, I, I got them confused. It's, it's the reverse. <laughs> I haven't said it in a while, but if you ever have corrections or questions, you can always shoot us an email or send us some information. Anyway, the idea here is that in, you know, in a society that didn't have a lot of electric lighting at all, 200,000 electric light oh bulbs gosh. lighting up wow. the White City in, you know, Olmsted's vision of of the landscape. There was the marsh. It was very exciting. And the yeah. island was a component of this, which is still there. It's still part of the waterfront park. It's a lagoon with an island. And that was, I think that was the most par- popular part of the whole landscape exposition. And it was planted with, you know, this lush vegetation. So it felt like, like this romantic mm. lagoon from the start. And light on water especially is it creates a unique effect. So mm-hmm. you, again, as you're kind of talking through this idea of having a holistic concept, of course, the pool company is going to guide you through lighting within the pool, mm-hmm. but there may be effects that can be like achieved with lighting that falls, you know, from above onto the pool. Oh, and, you're right. Yeah, that there's, there are elements one might not even think of. But of course, you can get a lot of mileage, and we do, out of the cafe lights that we strung up. You know, the... I would say I really like the footpath lights that are solar because, you know, mm. and again, this is if you're not like putting in a whole system and making sure you've got it elect- electrified, as you said. <laughs> for those, I think something to bear in mind and maybe look for in the recommendations is durability because even the foot, it may be that like, at night, they're highly visible, but during the day, you almost kind of lose them in the mm-hmm. landscape. And so they oh. tend to get a lot of abuse. <laughs> you're like, I mean, the number of times I've like knocked one askew. I and done that. To- it was a house in the, in the Hamptons. I mean, it had permanent metal fixture, low lights. And they were, it was like an industrial sort of look. Mm. Like you'd see where there's like metal guards on it. But they were at, they were like 10 inches from the ground mm-hmm. on the edge of a path. And I was walking the property with the client and I kicked and broke one. I mean, it was, I, I didn't see it. Like, you know, it was, he's like, oh my God. He's like, that's like the sixth time that's happened. Oh no. Cause it's, so it's at night, it looked fantastic, yeah. but it was sort of a hazard. It was right. There was a ground cover and then there mm-hmm. was a path. And so he and I were, I was gabbing away. We were mm-hmm. walking the property and I didn't see it. So I imagine there's even like, like a ratio of how much light spills onto the path versus how far back you can set it from the oh, path so correct. that you're achieving the correct illumination, but not making it a tripping hazard. So, so you know, it again, it's like, yeah, I'll just get online. I'll order some lights and, 
And yet this process of really thinking it through and doing the research is what makes for, it's just more successful. It just means you have a little bit more lifespan, I think, with the materials and a lot less you know, you want the garden to be an oasis. <laughs> and if it's if you're busy kicking in lights, it, it feels less so. It's just like, ah, that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. And there is like that term, a post-occupancy evaluation is one term. And then there's an as-built drawing is another term. Mm-hmm. So it's, you create your outdoor oasis. The post-occupancy evaluation is, things often get tweaked. Now, if it's a public park, you might actually change something mm. like a bench. Well, that's really the but bicyclists keep hitting that bench. They can't see it around the corner. If it's your home landscape, you might not make a major change, but maybe you would change the wattage of the bulbs or mm-hmm. like the hot water that goes to the outdoor bar. In the cool season, it doesn't stay hot. So you have to insulate that. So that's part of the process. I mean, the, the design, you troubleshoot, but it's normal to make corrections and, mm-hmm. and to tweak things. What do you want to avoid? with good design is that there's not a major like how water makes a water feature can be an asset and the acoustics some of the water features i've been looking at they give the decibels oh and and so you and there's all kinds of sound research where Mm -hmm. it'll say we had a situation where we had to keep the noise low at a certain property i Mm -hmm. remember for different you know for different it was like medical reasons i think maybe and it was there was a decibel and they said it was a battery powered tool that had it, it was quite quiet and maybe it was was it i forget the like the number but they said it's it, it would be equivalent to a kitchen blender is what mm-hmm. it sounded like or or an airplane going overhead and i actually did quite a bit of research and then i don't think we ended up using the electric it was like an electric chain like a battery powered chainsaw mm-hmm. and so with the water features would be similar you could say this would be like this sound and then how it bounces off the house mm-hmm. and the other features because we have recommended water features as, as a noise, like white noise sort of background, if, if you're trying to mask or screen other noises. But especially in doing our research, it's come to our attention that if, if they're not tuned, <laughs> is a right. concept you borrowed from, from, I think, a Japanese practice, if they're not tuned correctly, they can actually be an irritation. Mm-hmm. You know? um, it could be maybe so loud. Impede conversation in the way that you were intending i mean there's restaurants i think it was an article in the new york times about that how like like fast casual kind of restaurants imagine you're in a metropolitan area it's this hip design place Mm -hmm. and there's more and more of them they are doing acoustic design so if you have 80 people eating lunch in a city in an indoor area it might be hard to hear each other it would be the same with an out with your outdoor patio area i always think it was there was like a a popular trend, I guess, where it seemed like you had like the exposed to make it feel more spacious. You took the acoustic tiling off the ceiling. Uh, And so it was like these open like spaces. (laughs) It's mm -hmm. impossible to hear anyone, especially at happy hour. So yeah. All right. Let's talk pools. What are some things that one should consider when putting in a pool? I mean, that's a huge bonus. It's a luxury to be in that position to have a pool at your home. I am. Hey, we have our little, our little outdoor situation (laughs) with, with just a blow up pool. And I'm happy to have any water to kind of splash around in with our son, um, especially at his age. My sister has the in-ground pool with the waterfall and the hot tub. I mean, they inherited it when they bought the house. And that's just one of those nice features of Texas. But you've worked with clients in a lot of, in a range of 
yes, clients in a range of climates. <laughs> I was like, did I say that correctly? So what are some of the things you think about depending on where you are, if you're going to put in a pool? Sort of like the checklist. It would be similar to an outdoor dining area. How many people intend to use it? Mm. And so there's clients we're working with now and they described it. I said, how big do you want this to be? They, their children are almost out of the house. They have children, but they're some of them are out of college and some are going into college. So they don't need a pool for 20 frolicking kids, maybe grandkids eventually. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? And so they described <laughs> it. They said, we want a pool big enough that both of us can be on a like a floating air mattress. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually like a, that's a program. That's like the definition. Does it need to be so deep so you can do, you can do diving? Probably not. Mm. So the, the size of it. It's all people are often satisfied with a lot less pool than they think. Oh, I see. So a pool that's like 30 by 60, that's a pretty darn big pool. Like your sister's pool, he said, is about 30,000 gallons. Well, and my sister made a good point when we were asking her about pools, which I, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know. The bigger the pool, the more you're spending on cleaning, the more you're spending on uh, water on to fill it or refill it, the chemicals, like you want to factor it. I mean, of course, to put in a pool in the first place is a, is a tremendous expense, but then the maintenance of it is really like ongoing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I don't know, again, I don't know if it's like exponentially more expensive. It's probably not. It's probably like the, the opposite of that incrementally more expensive, but it's still something to consider. So how are you going to use it? There's all kinds of specialty pools. It's good to know of. There's a lap pool. So you see those in, in design magazines. I see those occasionally at a client's house where it's, it's a long, narrow pool where the person, they want to do laps. That would be an extreme. There's like a splash pool or a plunge pool where it could be quite small. It might be the size of, of like a bedroom and you're going to jump in and it's four or five feet deep and you're going to cool off. There's a traditional pool where there's a shallow end, a deep end. It's a good size. Then there's the pool decking. If mm-hmm. it is that, you know, in a very hot climate, maybe that could be grass. Now the, the grass is a little messy and you have to mow that. So the, the pool decking is really, really important. If you're in your bare feet, a lot of materials are going to be painful to walk on. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. and so it depends your climate. The length of, is, does it freeze? Is it temperate or subtropic or tropic? And, well, and then planting around a pool is a challenge because you have... It's nice to have the shade to a certain extent, maybe like a mix of sun and shade, oh, different, depending on choices. how hot it is, of course. But then it, the, you have to sort of minimize the litter that's making its way into There's the There's a pool. lot of leaf litter. I mean, certain yeah, unfortunately. trees. And then it's like more cleaning. And then the pH gets thrown off. Like you have live oak leaves falling in. Right. Yeah. Or that's pine needles. Happens. So yeah, thinking it through and then constructing it in order. If there's going to be... If you're going to add plants, you'd want to bring in plants before, if, if it's a limited area, you'd want to do a, sort of back your way out, like put it, if there's big trees that are going to go mm. in or so the phasing of the construction. And do tree roots compete with pools? Do you have to be careful about what you plant around a pool just in terms of root damage or is that usually not an issue? If it's a concrete, so that's like gunite, shotite uh, type pool. It, that foundation is so massive. Mm. So, but there's species that you'd want to, like you wouldn't want to plant a large shade tree right next to it. 
when you have existing trees, mm. how does that work with the pool? Mm -hmm. Excavating those, that can do a lot of damage to the trees. So yeah, the vegetation having enough shade, particularly in, in a warm, like in the subtropics here in the southern U.S., you definitely want shade by your pool. It's it's going to be an empty pool if it's out in the backyard. <laughs> I mean, the water actually heats up here quickly. The water could get to be 100 yeah, degrees. It, it's like a hot tub. Right. <laughs> the little pool we have is, is actually a hot tub most days, these days, but still comfortable in the evenings, which is nice. Or if you're in, let's say you're in New England or you're in the upper Midwest or the Pacific Northwest, that pool could be and maybe almost full sun and it would mm -hmm. be fantastic the you know where i grew up near lake ontario in upstate new york i mean a hot summer day is like about 88 degrees fahrenheit that's <laughs> that's a hot day and an average day might be like about 82 degrees you know that's mm -hmm. that's like july and august it would get into the 90s but that would be exceptional so we talked a little bit about sound in terms of the waterfalls but Again, it's almost like I've done the budget version of a few of these ideas. The the bringing, well, we have the Amazon Echo or Alexa. I don't mm -hmm. know what it is. Anyway, the little dot comes out and you, you know, you have a little bit, you have some tunes and it, it's mm -hmm. kind of festive. What about full sound systems? I mean, are there people who design sound systems just for the outdoors or would they be the same in an outdoor? And do you consider that a part of design? I would. Yeah. I mean, there's. And there's a firm in the Hamptons, which does all that. Like the person was like a rock and roll fan, basically, that started it. And then it grew into doing, like the way technology is now, there's sound and lighting and, and sometimes security, indoors and outdoors. Mm -hmm. it, it could be one company. It's mm -hmm. more or less like, you don't really say call it electronics anymore, but it used to be an electronics company where all types of things, you have an electrician that is doing the installation and it's done artfully and, and it would be similar to what Lori Olin said where it's like really designing for people mm -hmm. so saying I remember like visiting a friend and they was there was music in the shower it was an outdoor shower and you're surrounded by this grove of rhododendrons and it was super cool and there was there was uh, outdoor speakers and so he like, said, like hidden in rocks well <laughs> I'm not sure where they were <laughs> actually oh well there you go they so I was visiting job. with like buddies and he's like, oh, you know, what do you want to hear? And he, I put on my, he said, I gave him my favorite rock and roll. So you're out there after you got, went swimming, you know, showering. It, so it's quite an experience. So the music, that's also the lighting and the music. Pool companies could do that. But finding someone that does that, it's going to be at a higher level. In a way, I guess the more skilled one is, the more discernment. And so it, you're just, you're implementing what's needed, but, you're, but it's not overdone. Oh, okay. Yeah. I bet everything these days is controllable by phone, too. You right. download an app, and then you, like, bring up the pool lights and turn on the music. Right, give it classical music. Yeah. And then what's more, which I'm going to be working on some of these projects, having animated, automated, like, water fountain cycle. So the oh, nice. it's a swimming yeah. pool during the day, or... Or let's say here in Texas, the, it doesn't freeze really. Mm -hmm. So you have a holiday party, you know, it's the Bellagio Hotel at night. <laughs> right? And there could be a fountain, yeah. you know, it could be on the it's exciting and lighting and music. I mean, that's a good question too. And it's so funny because I am an introvert, you know, we, we've been hosting family quite a bit in the backyard, but I am not throwing parties. Like that's, I don't know that that's ever going to happen, right? I'm like a group of people over and we're having canapes and champagne by the pool. <laughs> oh, I don't know. But of course, it's almost like we're leaving. So I guess a lot of our suggestions 
may sound like they trend toward the like peaceful and relaxing and quiet by yourself in your Mm -hmm. meditation garden. But for those of you who are big, you know, entertainers and enjoy that, all of these ideas can be taken to that level that, you know, it's, so (laughs) I'm thinking reading a book on the lounge chair by the pool, as opposed to, Oh yeah, you could really have like the party and the animation and the and there lighting could be kind of zones too. It occurs to me. I mean, some of these outdoor spaces we're working on, there could be a bar area and the pizza oven area. So maybe mm-hmm. that's the music is sort of loud there, and then you're hearing the same song, but there could be maybe it's sixty five feet away, and there's a quiet gathering area, and that that same it's like it's programmed. That's at like thirty percent, where this is at eighty percent. The bar area. Well, and it's interesting too. I think. Asking your clients whether they entertain is, is a key as a designer. Finding out if you're designing, I mean, we'll talk a little about kitchen spaces. I was like, who would use a pizza oven? But then I realized, like, because we know people who've, like, done that almost on a catering level, like mm-hmm. going to do these outdoor parties oh, right. the, where they're the doing The friend in Westchester, he, yeah. that's his summer job. Yeah. He, he goes around the Westchester County and whole Hudson like- <laughs> Valley with the pizza oven truck. And they it's... I mean, what's more fun than walking up and saying, oh, I want, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mushroom and pepperoni and they make it right for you. Because, you know, the question is like, and one of the issues with a lot of the outdoor stuff, and we address this with the play structures for children, is how much use is it ultimately going to get? And so the pool, you're kind of, you're kind of orienting to be the most common program. Like, will grandkids come and splash in it eventually? Absolutely. Are are they going to hate it if they can't do a 50 meter, you know, race? Maybe not, but would you design it differently for a home barbecue enthusiast versus somebody who's going to have catered events in there? And, you know, how yes, do you both go of about those. I can think of yeah. examples. There was a couple, the husband, I mean, he was from Europe. I'm not sure if he was Italian or not, but he loved to cook. Mm. And so he wanted a, like an authentic pizza oven and, and those can be imported, you know, where it comes from Naples or it mm. comes other parts of the world. And it was a big, that's how he relaxed. It was not his profession. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what he did for a living, but how he relaxed. They had tomatoes and they had basil all growing there. And he would be picking that and making that. And that was like their Saturday afternoon, him cooking. And so it was not an extravagant outdoor area, but the pizza. So that was a great use. I mean, whatever that cost, it was, he got 10 times the enjoyment. Like when I'm looking through the outdoor kitchen catalogs where you can buy sets, you know, where it comes mm-hmm. with three refrigerators and a sink. And so there's, it's, it's module, modular, that's the right word. So there's like the wine chilling device. And so it's like with anything, the, the bells and whistles, they can catch your attention. It's going right. to be realistic. Some of these are flexible too. So you could add on, mm-hmm. you know, like it'd be similar in your kitchen. You have cabinets and you're like, oh, we want to garbage disposal well then one of the cabinets come out yeah so thinking as things change if people are on a wine kick and they have three wine chillers you know in the the next homeowner that might be overkill maybe they don't (laughs) even drink wine you know right so that's good to know So a good designer there's times to go for it we're like let's have the pizza oven that'll be so fun but then also to be realistic can you record who your vendors are so that you have like if you decide to add on or if someone else buys the house, they, you can say, well, this is like, if you decide to change it, oh, here's right. where you go. You know, someone you- just did that to us. I think it was in Westchester County where they were selling their house. They were going to, they were going to move abroad and they're making a list of all the vendors for the new homeowner. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And so 
they said, oh, do you have someone to recommend? And I said, we explained that we, that we still work in New York State. And we have right. people that do the work for us. Then there was another client who did entertain quite a bit. The husband had his own firm or it was a senior partner, one of those. And they would have, and this is, I mean, people that are fortunate enough to be able to, you know, have these palatial homes and hire designers. It's not uncommon that they have that they have large entertainment gatherings. Mm-hmm. It could be a charity event where there's a hundred people. It, it can almost be like work, like you entertain as oh, a right. function of your job because correct that networking and and you have all the you're vendors doing the over. deals while you're eating the canapes, you're <laughs> drinking right. the champagne. And it can be like a perk. All the you invite all the vendors that you did work with, or there's people, there's the salespeople from abroad come right. to the U.S. Yeah. or vice versa. Yeah. And so I remember designing a patio and the client in Connecticut is particularly popular using like outdoor tents. And mm-hmm, I can remember yeah. like, there was a fundraiser in another part of Westchester and the tent, it was, it was called a Sperry tent, I think, which is like mm-hmm. a name brand. So it was this sort of historic circus tenty with flags. And, and so that can be like a feature. Oh, cool. And so we designed this courtyard. So it fit a standard size tent and we were and the tent company visited and say it was, let's say it was like a 20 by 30 size tent. And that was, that's where the food would be served. You'd come out of the house, there'd be a tent and a patio. And then we, instead of having, if we had planting beds, it would have conflicted with that. Mm. So even though I always loved to have planting, there was this courtyard where there was no planting and the plants were, were going to be in large pots or, or, or urns. Sure. And then you can have, more or less grommets put into the patio so you mm-hmm. can anchor the tent. And it's, if you do that systematically, it just makes it easier later. So anything to add as we come to the end of this episode? Well, let's see, lighting, sound. When I'm interviewing a new client, I mean, kind of common questions, which, which you've gone over more or less, but I'd say, like, what does a typical weekend look like when you're going to be using this? And they'd say, well, there's, there's five of us in our immediate family. And then we have you know, maybe two or three people in addition. And so designing, okay, so that's like the core group you're designing for. What activities do you like? To, oh, we, we like to play cards. Well, it's going to be buggy. So maybe that, that porch should become a screened-in porch. Or other people say, you know, we're retired. Our kids moved away. There's just two of us. And so I've done that. And then there's families are, you know, there's extended family comes over. Every weekend we have aunts and uncles and grandparents and there's kids running around. There's a, you know, 16 grandkids running around. So those are all very different programs. So I wouldn't necessarily want like a fussy, perfect style garden when there's going to be 16 grandkids. They could be falling, tripping, mm-hmm. where if it's two individuals that, that love France and you're having, you know, these imported French planters and, and uh, perfect boxwood. So that might be appropriate. Excellent. Well, I'm just thinking, that of course, it's the great outdoors. So it's, fun to be open to surprises. I'm just thinking of my dad who lives in Napa mm-hmm. in the hills who, uh, in California, like yeah, in wine country. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Who was getting, who's got a great effort to put in a horseshoe pit for some outdoor oh, entertainment, been sharing that, but it's become a deer bed for a doe and her two fawns. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sometimes the program does its own thing. There were but, wild turkeys too. Yeah. He said, yeah, it's well, it's their way up in the hills. So it's, uh, it's pretty wild out there, but um, you know, I mean, some of what we've discussed is ambitious again, like I have 
cafe lights and a blow up pool <laughs> as my <laughs> and my Amazon Echo as my um, outdoor entertainment. And it's a work in progress for us, but it's fun to dream and kind of think about these spaces mm-hmm. and think, well, what would I do if I had my dream space? And and as we've said before, I mean, even entertaining on a patio or a you know a deck, if that's your outdoor spaces, is, is good enough. Um, like a roof deck, like yeah. we talked about your aunt and uncles that overlooks the Brooklyn Harbor. Well, again, we're getting this. That's on the ambitious side of things too. So we hope we've given you some ideas that can apply to your landscape. And we always like to end with a design principle. So Charles, take it away. Well, a restraint when you're creating outdoor spaces, that's, I mean, that's construction. So there's stone, mortar, brick, glass, steel, lights, water. So restraint, there's times to really go for it. And so not, you know, I'm not suggesting to build like a dull, boring outdoor space, but it's tempting to fall in love with the features. But is that really fulfilling the program? And it's easier to add on than it is to have this, you know, like colossal igloo sized uh, outdoor, you know, fire area or outdoor pizza oven where that's and this and the same with pool feature. So there's things that are very trendy and you know you're you're so excited we're gonna have the coolest feature. And then in 10 years it's gonna look like 2020. It's mm. space out of here. <laughs> so that like to have re- so there's times to, you know, it's good to be excited about it, but to have restraint, is this gonna be timeless and can it be adapted? Well, you know. Do you need the pizza oven or do you just need enough space for the food trucks to park? That's right. <laughs> that's, that's what you're going for. So All right. Well, that's the end of another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Feel free to reach out for questions. We always try to make these a valuable resource. And so we're happy to cover anything that may be coming up for you, Um, especially as we're kind of encountering our landscapes in new ways these Mm -hmm. days. And so we look forward to coming up with another topic for, for you all next week and hope you'll join us then. And we're always designing more classes. So these episode ideas, they filter their way into classes often. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who wonders, just because we got a couple of questions, although the descriptions should be up on the class websites, for the most part, they're asynchronous. We put up lectures, but we also have reading, reflection exercises, try to guide you through the process of whatever we're going over. And hopefully that gives you a comprehensive learning experience in your own time. So it's self-paced, but you can always check out our website, Facebook pages for any of our scheduled classes because some of them are live with you lecturing on the other end. Oh, right. So. And we've done, in addition to that, we, we, we've answered student questions where yeah. they, they had, like they were an enthusiast for one specific subject. They took the class and then like, you even had the case where you've checked in with them. You know, it was just answering your questions. Sometimes they have additional questions. Yeah. And sometimes we'll, we, we do consulting. So a class fulfilled their need, but, but they might want to do a, a consult where we really look at their property or like whatever the specific need is. Yeah. Trying to be helpful where we can be. All right. Take care. Have a good week. And thank you again for listening. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. In the Landscape is brought to you by King Garden, a full-service landscape design, care, and education company. Enjoying what you hear on our podcast? We encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a line at connect at kinggardeninc.com. We welcome show ideas, gardening and design questions, and always corrections. 
We travel all over North America giving garden talks and leading trainings. Check us out at kinggardeninc.com for our speaking details. And also take a look at our online course offerings for more in-depth explorations of topics covered on our show.